Hey there, this is episode three of the Work in 218 podcast. This is episode three with Vern Lewis. Vern is coming over from Crosby. Vern's, you're the owner now of Jacob's Realty and also the Red Rider Resort. So everybody meet Vern. Hi, Vern. Hi. So little story on Vern. This is his first ever experience with the podcast. So we're going to make this, make this a good one. So we'll have a good time just to kind of calm the nerves, Vern. You can see we're not in front of a a crowd of people. We're not sitting where there's thousands of people cheering us or booing us. So we're just going to sit here. We're going to have a conversation. Now, I told you a little bit about the podcast, why I wanted to start this, what I'm doing, right? Mm -hmm. So this is, like I said, episode three. So we're fumbling through it like a couple of rookies and that's okay. So the whole mission of the Working 2 and 8 podcast, it's actually quite simple. We're out to connect entrepreneurs through a collection of stories learning what passions have landed and or kept them here to live their dream of owning and operating their business in northern Minnesota. Plain and simple, right? Yep. So all we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit. I want to get your history, your story, and you know, throughout this we'll get some advice and we'll be able to help people that maybe want to start their own companies or start their own business and hopefully here in you know the 218 area code, which is all of northern Minnesota. Sound like a plan? Yep. Okay. So the big thing for me wanting to start this is, uh, you know, starting this podcast is I'm going to help myself. So we're going to lead that off right away. I am no expert in business by no means. Um, I've had many failed attempts and, you know, history, you've known me a long time. I'm not afraid to fail. I do like to try new things. So safe to, safe to argue that point so far. Yeah. All right. So we'll get Vern talking more. I promise. The <laughs> Um, so Vern, you and I have known each other a lot of years. Um, we actually met, so I'm going to probably get a little emotional here, but we met, uh, my ex-wife and your wife are cousins, Correct. right? So we met through the girls and got to know each other, traveled around. You started racing dirt bikes. So we got to know each other that way and completely my own fault. We just didn't stay in touch after the divorce. So let me apologize to you for that. And there's a lesson that I want people to catch in this. So me being the guy, um, I felt that it was my position to step back. You guys were her family. You and I were friends, but that's just, I, and looking back on it, I see now that was probably pretty stupid, but I have to assume I'm not the only person that's ever gone through this. So when I reached out to you to do this and we talked, we had a pretty cool conversation, which actually was pretty flattering and you kind of got me emotional on the phone. But that being said, I want that to be a lesson. If you guys think that you need to step away from something for, you know, step away from something or somebody that you don't want to, don't do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, because we could have easily just said, you know what? Yeah, I, I, you could have told me you didn't want to hang out with me if that's what you want. I took it upon myself. So now we're beyond that. I called you to let you know about what we're doing with this podcast, and uh, you were super excited for me. So, um, you know, the the goal of this podcast is nothing but to help people. Mm -hmm. That's what we want to do. So, to get to your story, you graduated Crosby, right? Crosby, Arrington. So, were you a ranger? Oh, yeah. I'm a ranger. <laughs> go CI, go. Go CI. So, you... Did you ever move away? Did yeah, you stay? I actually, so I was a 612 area code first. Okay. That's Minneapolis. That's and when you were born. Yeah. No, I was born in Duluth, but when I lived until I was 13 was actually in North Minneapolis. Oh, I see. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I was like a 612 area code. Now you see that all over with the hats and stuff. But anyways, I moved up here. I got lucky enough. My parents moved. When my other brother and sister graduated, they moved me up to Crosby. So, so that's pretty cool. Um, so then you, from 13 on, yep. sixth grade on to graduation, I was in Crosby. So through graduation, now you are a Crosby resident. So you graduated Crosby and you, you never moved away. Did you stick around Crosby Stayed ever there. since? Ever since. Never wanted to leave. Why would I? So <laughs> I often say the same thing. So explain in your words, what about central minnesota the crosby area has kept you there probably because i know what it's like to live somewhere else for one thing 
Like when I was in high school, everybody said, I'm moving out of this small town and I'm going because I hate it. And I'm like, well, have a good time because I know you're going to want to come back. And then I see it time after time, especially in real estate now, people want to buy a cabin back here that I graduated with and they realize they're stuck where they're at. And I didn't want that big city making big money, having all those big bills and you're stuck. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're exactly right. So I got some friends that have moved on and, and I know they're making good money, mm -hmm. but the cost of living is so high. Are they mm -hmm. really making any more than we are here? Not making any more and they're spending more time in their vehicles and, and hell, you know, sitting there in traffic for two hours to get to work. Why? I right. tell everybody that comes up here, it's like, why won't you just live here? We can't afford it. Yeah, you can. It's the same cost. You might make less, but you're going to enjoy your life. It takes right. me 15 minutes to drive 15 miles. <laughs> the perfect <laughs> example is I always say, we use miles up here for an example. We say how far is something. We say miles, right? What does people say in the cities? How yeah. many minutes? Always minutes. It's always minutes. 20 minutes. Well, is that a mile? You know, or what? So that's why I always laugh about that is I know right where people are from as soon as I say, how far is that? And they say in minutes, you know, they're living in a city. Right. So, so you know that, and we learned that. I, I remember having those same thoughts of, you know, I don't want to live with all those people. I kind of want to live where it's relaxing and mm -hmm. not stressful. So you are a bit of an outdoorsman. I know that you fish mm -hmm. quite a bit. You're a hunter. Talk a little bit about that. Tell us your hobbies. Well, that's the problem. I have too many hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> like I went to my retirement guy and he says, uh, how much money are you going to need to retire? And I said, well, I do a lot of things. So it's going to be a lot. Cause I, I, and that's the problem. I wish, I think my personality is, is that I'm never satisfied with one thing. Like one thing with dirt bike riding was that at least that I stuck with. I enjoyed it a lot and I love fishing, but I can only fish for so long. And then I like to hunt and I can only do that so long. I bounce around to too many things where I always, I kind of always am passionate for people that have one thing they do in their life and they love it so much and that's all they do. And I think then it's pretty reasonable, you know, in, in your yeah. life. You can go and if you ride a bike every day, it's pretty cheap, you know, right. but when you want to go and ride a snowmobile race, get a snow a fish house, all this stuff, it costs too much money. So, that's Well, and eventually you're a bit of a workhorse too. So eventually you just don't have enough time. You got all these toys sitting around the garage. You can't use them. And all of a sudden now you just, I mean, you got a bunch of toys sitting there that you can't use. So you might as well live in the cities and just have one thing to do and that's sit in your car all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so early on, I don't think you were a realtor mm -hmm. when we first met. How long have you been a realtor? 21 years. 21 years. Yeah. So definitely not when we first met you were a realtor. No. Um, now you worked for Jacobs Realty. It was a Century 21 Realty yeah. office at the time. Um, when I know now currently you have bought the Realty office, right? Yeah. Is that actually, right terminology? Yeah. Purchased the office, but that was in 2008, actually. I've been a full owner of that. Otherwise, I had partners. But backing up, I was a blackjack dealer. And yeah. that's what I did. And then when I met you, I was 23 years old. If you can believe that, we're how old are you now? You're older than 23. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, I always worked, and I always said when when I met you in 23, you said let's go ride dirt bike. You know, you said you should race, and and I always wanted to, but I never had an opportunity because we were poor. I didn't have a dirt bike, and I wish I would have had that opportunity. It's only regret in my life that I always look back on and say, why didn't I have a chance to ride when I was seven or eight years old? Sure. So at 23, when I met you and you said, let's go ride. And I thought, okay, this is great. But the only thing I can't do is break an arm because I got to deal cards. Oh, that's right. right. And so whenever I said, I go, just don't break an arm. The first bone I break in Staples is a collarbone. Well, it's not the arm. So you didn't break <laughs> any rules. So then I'm sitting there without work. So you didn't break an arm. You broke a collarbone. Yes. <laughs> now you're sitting there without work, um, which we're getting ahead of where I wanted to actually. So... And the only reason where I'm going with that is you were a realtor, but you also dealt cards. Yes. I mean, you did both I of did. those things, right? Yes. So Forgot that was about. one thing that I think a lot of people need to take from this is it's okay to have multiple mm -hmm. sources of income. Um, so you, you bought the realty office. Yeah. I think, were you owning that and you were still dealing? Oh, no. At that point, I was at that dealer, point, but you I went out. back to dealing 
when the market, because that's when the market went bad. Okay, that's right. And so we weren't making any money. And my wife, Tiffany, which yeah. she was a stay-at-home mom, and then the kids were older and in school, and she'd help me at the office. And we were going broke. I mean, I basically told her, he was like, well, time for you to get a job or something. So she said I should go back to college, which is a big feat. I was, you know, going yeah. back at 40 years old to school. I don't know. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it when I was 18 or 17 when I was in school. So <laughs> to go back after that many years, she went back to college. So I did go back to working weekends at the casino again to pay for that college because I sure. didn't want to have that debt. You know, and what, what's the point of going to get a job and then now we're paying more debt when I could just have her not work and then we wouldn't have the debt. Right. So that was one thing that I always am fortunate I feel about is working two days a week, dealing poker. I pretty much paid for her college. Which is good. Yeah. So, and, and what people need to know about you as a person is that's the kind of guy you are. When stuff needs to get done, you're going to do what it takes to do it. I've always admired that about you. I think it's very cool. Um, and like I say, the people that don't know you should know that about you. So you're willing to go the extra mile and do those extra things when they need to be done. And that speaks volumes for you as a person, but it also is going to lead us to where you're at today. Mm -hmm. um, so bought the realty office in 2008, you yeah. said. That's been... I mean, it's you. Market. At one point, I remember calling you, going, "Are you a Century Twenty One guy anymore?" And you said, "No, no." So why not? Because it's just figured it out over time that the franchise is great and it does something. But nowadays, with the internet, there's so much more exposure out there. What am I getting again for paying that fee? And I kept going back to that. What am I getting? One website. I was on every other website. Right. I didn't have to be on pay all that money to be on one more website. And so I just decided that I was going to take a chance. And I've had other companies call me and say, how did, what happened? You know, how's it going? And I'm like, it's great. It's like, I just gave myself a, a pay raise by not paying a fan franchise fee. And I'm, and business never, it changed. never let off. No, that's they, just... and I realized they came to see me. They weren't coming because it was Century 21. In the old days, there was a lot more loyalty, I think in the day for franchises. Edina Realty, all those companies. Yeah. It's like people say, oh, you got to use them because they're no one to be loyal, you know, they're trustworthy, on and on. Nowadays, it's about do you sell or not? It's production. Well, and nowadays, like you said, there's the internet. Mm -hmm. The olden days, there wasn't internet. No. So I would call you with, you know, Century 21, and I'd say, I'm looking for a place in Florida. Can you? help me find something and you call your century 21 office there and yep. they hook you up. Right. Yeah. So that's something that maybe the lesson in that, you know, we, you watch my Facebook show and I yeah. do these lessons at the racetrack. And I think this last lesson I talked about was looking at different lines and opportunities. Yeah. And that's one thing that right there is a lesson that can be learned. Obviously you didn't just jump ship bail on century 21 cause you saw the bill. You actually monitored what you were getting in return before you pull the plug, yeah. right? So now you're making more money, your sales haven't dropped, so you're marketing yourself, so that's a good thing. So very cool, is there anything on the Century 21 side, if somebody's listening, or not Century 21, real estate side, if somebody's listening and they want to get into real estate, is there anything that you would like to say just to maybe give them a piece of advice? I guess my advice, if you were going to get in the real estate business, is plan to work. The one benefit of that job would be is that it's the most money you could ever make without having a college education because the amount of money you can make is endless if you work. A lot of people buy and sell a home and look at, oh, that process was easy and I'm going to get into that business. And they don't realize how much of the backside that we take care of that they don't know about. And it's not like we don't want people in the whole process, but it's a lot of stuff they don't need to know about. You know, title issues, uh, liens, judgments that we're taking care of in the process. So I would say... There's a lot more to it. And when people first come into it, they think, oh, well, don't I just sit down and take a call and go throw <laughs> a house? It's like there's a lot that goes into it more. And they don't, we maybe brokers and real estate agents don't get 
credit for all they do because it seems so easy. I would think that is the perfect statement because you don't get the credit that's due because exactly you just you're so good at the job mm -hmm. you make it look easy. Um, I've often said if I had a real estate dealing I would call a realtor and just have them do the paperwork even if it was a done deal. Yeah, you know just because there's so much crap behind the scenes. If anybody's closed on a house, you you know what these guys do. Give them a little credit. And what is it? What is a real estate fee? It's not high. Well, a couple percent. I mean, so yeah. for two grand, you don't have to worry about it if you sell a hundred thousand dollar house. Yeah. I mean, and it, it, it actually, I mean, like we're at like six percent, but we work deals too all the time where if you brought me a buyer and you, you already said, Hey, I got my house sold. I just need to do paperwork. We just do a flat rate and do the paperwork for you. Right. And get you through the closing and be done with it. So the, the, I guess the key is, is that there's always like any business. I always say, I always give everybody credit. Even if like, I always had a problem with like people say, Oh, so-and-so's parents handed them this business. And then everybody's all mad because like they got a free ride. I'm like, it don't matter. It takes somebody, you have to run it. And there's a lot of hours involved in that. And so I always say, it's like people sit there and think that it's like, Oh, this is easy. It's like never easy. Anything you do isn't easy and you learn as you go. And the one thing in real estate is, is every time I learned a lesson, I wrote a check. So when I'd be doing a deal and Oh, I forgot to write that shed down on the purchase agreement. I just wrote a check to buy a new shed. And that's sure. because that's the right thing to do. And then I learned next time, is there a shed in the yard when I write the deal? So you may not have paid for college, but you got a college I, education I, at a college price. That's right. You <laughs> always learn. I always say you paid for learning no matter what. If you go yep. to college or it's on your own. And I got the school of hard knocks on anything I've done. Never went to any schooling, college. and But I just research and wing it. <laughs> research and wing it yeah so no exactly so realtors and like you said a flat fee yeah and you know i've bought and sold real estate you can negotiate even who pays the fees so the listeners to this podcast negotiate the other person pays your fees yeah just a little secret so because <laughs> everything is negotiable right that's right it is everything so aside from real estate now you've started this new project and i caught wind of it I think through Facebook mm -hmm. um, and it's called the Red Rider Resort. So maybe what I need you to do is give me a summary of what the Red Rider Resort is. But first, uh, let's talk about where this thing is. It's um, just north of, is it north of Crosby? Yeah, when I turn north, there, it seems north. Yeah, it is north, northeast. It, we call it uh, east Yaki area because Yaki mine pit, but it's it's northeast of Crosby. Up towards Cuyuna? Cuyuna. Okay, so up towards Cuyuna on County Road 31. If you guys have never been that way, first off, you need to make the drive. The pavement is awesome. On a motorcycle, it's a great road, and the scenery is beautiful. Mm -hmm. So you're a mile yeah, north a mile of 210? North 210, yeah. So right It's actually there. 6 and 210. It's both on that road right there. Yeah, so... Just north, just north of Crosby on Highway 31 towards Cuyuna. This is the Red Rider Resort. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. We're going to pay a couple bills here, and then we'll be right back with Vern Lewis to tell us all about the Red Rider Resort and Campground. Wild Ass Seats. Wild Ass Seat Cushions. Check them out at wild-ass.com. Anywhere you sit, you get those two painful pressure points. Let Wild Ass take those away. You will literally be sitting on a cushion of air as comfortable as can be on anything. I've used mine on my horse saddle, use it on the motorcycle all the time, traveling across country in the vehicle. I'm even sitting on one on my office chair. So anywhere you sit, Wild Ass can make that seat more comfortable. Check them out, wild-ass.com. You can follow them on Instagram at The Real Wild Ass, or even on Facebook under Wild Ass Motorcycle Air Cushion. Not just a motorcycle seat, a wild ass seat is for anywhere you decide to sit. You've always heard the phrase, there's an ass for every seat. We like to say we have a seat for every ass.
All right, welcome back. This is episode three of the Work in 2 and 8 podcast. We're sitting here with Vern Lewis. We got to hear about Jacob's Realty, his involvement there. A little bit of history uh, since you were 13, lived in the 218 area code. So tell us, like, just a brief overview, like you're recording a commercial for the Red Rider Resort. Are you ready for that? <laughs> Go. All right. It's um, eight cabins, and we have 10 10 sites, four RV sites on 22 acres of property. We have 1,600 feet of frontage on manual mine pit, which is a man made pit. And you wouldn't believe it unless you're there in the summer, but the clarity, you can easily see 20 to 25 feet down in those pits. So it's amazing. And uh, trout fishing, they stock it every year. So there's an endless amount of fish. 4,000 rainbows every year they dump into this 35-acre pond, and you go out there and you can just catch them. So. That's crazy. So I got to go up there and see the place this morning. Uh, when Of course, this is recorded, so there's snow on the ground, um, but it's beautiful. The job you've done on those cabins is amazing. Thanks. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. So you did all this. You've been doing the bulk of the work yourself. Yeah, I don't hire a contractor, but I've been, you know, like designing it and coming up with the the stilts. Like we have three cabins up on the stilts that you've seen with the drawbridges. And when I walked the property, I could just envision something to get as close as we could to the edge without, you know, uh, and make it so that we weren't sitting back from the water's edge as far. And that's where the stilt thing came up and pinterest had something to do with that nice are you a pinterest person or <laughs> yeah. is your wife no me oh my god <laughs> but no i just like to look and, and so anyways i started looking on there and there's amazing i still don't know how to run the thing i can't put nothing on pinterest but i know a lot of look at the pictures and so i just started looking at pictures of stilt cabins and i started trying to come up with these ideas and my theory was is that i wanted something up north feel but yet you know, uh, you're trying to, like now in the cities, it seems like a lot of the people come up and they want this where they like, they live in warehouse districts down there. Now they take these old buildings and refurbish them with tin or whatever. So you want to try to uh, maybe, uh, have, have them be attracted to it and not just all this wood. But the biggest thing is a compliment I've had is like, there's another campground in the area and they have galvanized tin. looks like it's cool. I mean, it looks like the sure. little shack, but when we, um, everybody walks up there and with the cedar siding and the red trim, they all go, wow. I mean, this looks, and it makes it look like it's very high end. So I saw this on Facebook, like I said, first time I saw the pictures and I, I'm like, oh my God, these things are beautiful. Yeah. And everybody I've showed pictures to, they look at it and that's exactly their response. Mm -hmm. They're, wow, that's where? Yeah. So you've done a good job. Yeah, um, you know, if, if anybody wants to come and stay in a Pinterest cabin on stilts, <laughs> this is definitely the place to do it. Yeah. Because they're like cool. Tree fort, you know, you see that now. I mean, on TV now, everybody has to have this big expensive tree. It's like a tree fort you're sitting in. And you felt it today. They move. You can go across the bridge and the cabins jiggle and move around. And so some people may not like that. Then we got the ones on the slabs. But the big thing would be is that uh, I wanted something unique. And, and not in this area. You don't have that anywhere. No. So you talk about the movement. So to explain that to the people that haven't been there or haven't seen this, what Vern has done is designed, you designed these bridges, right? Yep. They're suspended bridges Cable. held by three cables. Um, so you're not falling through it. I mean, these cables are what they pull semis out of sinkholes yeah. with. I mean, they're super strong. But it's cool because when you bounce on that bridge, Vern's like, hey, feel this. And he went out on the bridge and like just bounced a little bit. You can feel the cabins move. Now they're not. You're not going to feel them moving in the wind, no, or anything like that. But yeah, it's cool. If someone's going to sneak into the the cabin, you're safe. Yep. You're going to know they're coming. So that's it's super cool how those those bridges yeah. are. They look like suspended bridges, and they're hung yeah. on three cables. Correct. So they're not all suspended bridges. If you're afraid of heights yeah. and you don't want to go look <laughs> look down at the ground when you're in the cabin, so. Now, I got to see these. Now, we have to explain these to people that haven't been there. So, the smaller, like the slab cabins, how would you explain those? Uh, well, they're 14 by 20 or 16 by 20 on the smaller ones. But they're one room. I mean, it's basically one room. 
So if you want to come with a couple, be prepared. You're going to be listening to them snore next to you on the bunk bed. <laughs> not, there's not dividers. There's two cabins with actually bedrooms. But I would say it's more like this is like tenting in a building. Oh, that's with, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, your tent, you're in a tent like you'd be wide yep. open area. So you have bunk beds, you know, where, I mean, you can actually sleep. They're set up for four people. But if you have kids, there's single bunks above. Uh, four guys can come and you each have a, your own spot. Um, so I guess the biggest thing would be just wide open. Yeah. So they're, yeah, they're wide open cabins. Um, two of them have bathrooms in them. Correct. Right. So no bedrooms so and you, those ones have separate bedrooms. Yes. So there you have more privacy. If you want to come as two couples, have your own bedrooms, you can split the costs or whatever. And then you actually do have a bathroom for the other ones. You, you know, obviously you have to go to a shower house to shower or use the restroom. So they're, they're sleeping facilities. Like that's a great way to put it. They're hard sided tents, Yeah, but they're heated. heated. They're air conditioned. Um, Wi-Fi. Oh, there's Wi-Fi too. Cause the guy has got to have Wi-Fi when he's camping. Well, some people, I so, say we want to get away from it. You don't, we can turn it off. Right. You want. Well, and you can turn <laughs> off your phone too. Yes. <laughs> they don't have to have their phone on just no. cause there's Wi-Fi. The cool thing is so many people now, are working from home or working mm -hmm. from wherever remote, we could just say that uh, you could come and work remote from the day yep. and head out and enjoy the adventures around when you're not working. Um, so I just want to finish talking about the cabins and the, the stuff you have there. And then we're going to talk about why you'd come to this area. But you, you mentioned the shower house. Yep. So I got a tour of that. Um, there's There was nobody showering, so we were okay <laughs> to go in. Um, but they did a good job with that. But you were telling me those are poured walls and you actually built that into being a storm shelter. Correct. So we have a, it's a 24 by 36 shower house with, and it's, it's ICF they call it. And that's that foam form blocks. They just basically Legos put, put it all together and then start pouring concrete down the center of the blocks. So there, in that situation, it isn't required to have a cement roof on the structure, but we had to have a hurricane strap tie downs to hold the roof down. But that would be the basically, so if there is a storm, everybody can congregate in that one room. And one thing I thought was really cool, that was a super expensive building to build, yep. right? And you did not have to build that, correct? Because- No. Because of the way the laws are yes. written and all the crap you had to go through, that was not a requirement. That was something you did yes. because you thought it needed to be there. Yeah. So very cool. We got a storm shelter that's not required. See, he's even going above and beyond on his little resort. So some of the struggles of getting this thing set up, you, uh, it, it just floors me. You know, I built a facility south of town. I had the racetrack in the store and I had to deal with the MPCA and I had to deal mm -hmm. with all these government officials that, unfortunately don't know what the hell we are doing out here no um so tell us a little bit about that you had um you had silt fencing i believe is what it's called yeah. that black fence if you guys drive down the road and you see this black fence in the ditch around where they're building something it's to keep waste from running down into the ditch water and running off to pollute other water somewhere else basically is mm -hmm. what silt fence is right yeah so if you see this, it's uphill before you can get to the lake, right? Yes. And so the water, if I pour out water, it's going to run away from the lake, right? Exactly. <laughs> and you had to put silt fence on the top of the hill between right. the cabins and the lake. And for 850 feet. For 850 feet. And okay. then, <laughs> this is the best part. Did anyone ever come out and examine your property? Nope. <laughs> No, we have a satellite I, photo that shows that you need silt fence. I have, uh, nobody came there. They used a, a plat drawing to come up with the idea that I needed silt fence and retention ponds, but nobody steps foot on the property. So nobody came out and ever actually looked at the place. They just told you the permits that they thought you needed, or did you have to figure that out on your own too? No, they, well, they basically would tell you to send a check. <laughs> you just keep mailing checks and, and then you got something in the mail. But basically when I call, like well, the funniest one is MPCA when I called and said, what permit do I need? And the lady didn't even know. 
because there's so many permits or so many laws that you don't even know which one you need to use. And I thought thought it was asinine that you have all these rules in place, but I always look back again, I always use the theory of somebody needs a job. And so if you're sitting at your desk and you haven't done anything for a while, what are you going to do? Come up with an idea. Well, we better make a new rule or something. (laughs) But she literally had to refer me to somebody else to tell me what permit I would need to pull. So when I started that process, it was seven months to get permits. Seven months. Seven months. Yep. And and it took me seven months to build the whole place. So I say, how does it take somebody that, how does it take that long? Now, the city of Crosby was really good. But again, you got to wait for a monthly meeting. You know, that goes. It's not like you just call them up and say, hey, can I meet you tomorrow? I understand that part. But it's the MPCA and then also the Department of Health. And then they got to review your plans. And you got to send the plumbing plans into somebody else at the Department of Health to have them just review your plumbing plans and make sure your pipes are going downhill. You know, I don't understand that. That part. doesn't make sense because I got friends that do septics and they had to go to school to get certified to put the stuff in to make and, sure it goes downhill. And the plumber's license that knows how to put yeah. the stuff in, but you need a separate permit. That's a thousand dollar permit fee, by the way, for that one. And then, then they need to have. Uh, the the builder didn't really have any i mean the city building inspectors there nitpicking but it's commercial then everything changes so technically i can't turn one screwdriver on that property my security cameras that are set up yeah are plug and play you plug them in screw them to the wall i need to have a licensed electrician installed really yeah because it's commercial because it's commercial I, and where where does that come from it's you put two wires and you screw the thing together you don't Put a wire nut on it, tape it, It's push it together, lock it, and the thing is ready to go. And the electrical inspector said that the licensed electrician had to install the cameras. So you had plenty of frustration in seven months of permits and then seven months of building no. after? Yes. So 14 months. 14 months to do the project, which the building part wasn't bad, but again, it, there's just common sense is gone. You know, the building inspector shows up and it's common sense. I mean, you, you know, the builder knows what he's doing. For example, we had to put st- screws into every rafter for like a hurt on every roof. Yep. One spot, the builder forgot five screws. So the building inspector said, well, I need to have those screws in there. I said, okay, I'll put them in there or I'll put it in there. We'll send you a picture. Oh, I need to come back and physically see it. So he's going to waste his time to drive 15 miles or wherever he's coming from to look at five screws when he knew the builder did it excellent, you know, they, they inspect five cabins. Once you think the other three are going to be okay. I mean, they, they physically had to come back to look at five screws. Now, I mean, that's, it's asinine. You just take a picture, send them a picture. Hey, it's done. Okay. No trouble. (laughs) So for anybody wanting to build something like this, let's just say they want to start red ride, red rider resort North. And it's in, uh, you know, Thief River Falls, yep. whatever. Um, what lessons would you offer to tell these people? I mean, is there an easier way to do it? And there isn't. <clears throat> I, I just think the biggest thing is obviously I have no experience in a resort business. I mean, I I have a real estate background, which I always feel this is it, and I manage properties. So I started out just blind, and I started calling and started dealing with them. And I would say, unfortunately, some of this stuff is, I think, that old saying of do it and then ask for permission later, you know, <laughs> it's easier or forgiveness, to get forgiveness yeah. than yeah. permission. Yes. It's almost like some of the stuff mm-hmm. you just do it and then you say, whoops, you know, and I think I see it more than not because the thing is, if you try to do it right, it's almost like they make it tougher. You know, they make it so hard on you that they want you to break the rules. And I know rules are there because they want it done right and for protection of everybody. And it's a protection for me. If I had a builder there and didn't know what he's doing, how would I know if unless I had some knowledge of building? In the process of helping people try to do the right thing, if they should be there to help you. They should guide you through the process. And it felt to me like everybody just wanted their check. You know, it's like, just uh, mail the application and, and we'll look it over. And I try to go like, Department of said, can I get them reviewed first to make sure that I, I need to change something? And it was almost like, no, you send it to us and then we'll review it and send it back until you have to fix something. And I'm thinking, why wouldn't I just go there and meet with you and you tell me like in that bathhouse, 
how you know there's rules how many toilets per person how many you know hand dryers and let me meet we'll go over it say okay i'll make it exactly the way you want to make it for your rules and we'll be done right but no it would they would make it so you send it in they ship it back then you you change it and then you would send it back in and then they would approve it or maybe not so i'm coming up for my final inspection for the certificate of occupancy and that's my it's interesting to see what he's going to come up with because i always feel like they got to justify their job again they're going to come up with something for me to do when is that inspection i have to call them actually i got my okay. last so not not scheduled yet but so, so that'll be before this is aired yeah <laughs> so we'll make well, sure yeah so watching you know or knowing the backstory listening to everything you've gone through um you've certainly displayed a remarkable amount of persistence mm -hmm. um which I think you need if you're going to start anything. Anything. The nice thing about this, Vern, is you've had to jump through all these hoops. You're not going back. This thing's going to be successful now because yeah. you're going to prove to all of them that you can do it, yeah. whether, you, to whether you need it or yeah. not. Yeah. At this point, you're a little bit financially committed. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, anybody looking to start something, it's not just as easy as popping up half a dozen cool looking cabins and starting a yeah. business. It's not even close to that easy, no. is it? No, not at all. And the big thing is that I think a lot of people, unfortunately, are out there trying to make it not easy because again, you know, it's a lot of people don't want change. There's a big thing, you know, there's like, a big thing, in especially the, yeah. in our, our little town of Crosby and they've gotten a lot better with the new wave of business we have coming in there. People don't want the change. They don't want new stuff. They liked it the way it was, which again, I always try to look at both sides of the story. That's why I like the town. It's quiet. Yeah. Small. Now all of a sudden it's getting busy. Do we want Brainerd Baxter over there? Busyness on a Friday trying to get through town? No. Right. So it's like a catch 22 for a lot of local people in that area. It is a catch 22. And the way to get rid of that fear of change or that old way of looking at things is for people to get involved. Mm -hmm. Right. So if there's things that you want as a community to want it as a community is one thing, but if nobody's going to get involved, then nothing's no. going to happen. No. So that's something that people also need to pay attention to is you have to get involved in your local government. What I think is really cool about this podcast is, um, so my brother Keith was on the last one. He went from, a very well-known career to something that he knows nothing about that he's starting. So it's so cool to see the similarity there. You yeah. went from, you know, 20 some years of real estate, you know what you're doing there. If you don't have the answer, you know where to find it to now you're going into something, you know, completely nothing about. Yeah. So hopefully through listeners of this podcast, we can get help and help make this thing successful and make sure you're making a bunch of money doing it. Mm -hmm. And, then you help the next guy or yeah. you, you know, you offer services or helps or whatever. And we all work together. So walking through these cabins, we'll talk about these just a little bit. Um, one thing that I thought was super cool in each of them was the floor. And you know, it's, I don't know what it's, is it called painted or what that is that they did to the concrete, but tell us about that. Um, the floors actually, I don't know the correct term, but I know it was a self leveling epoxy and it's applied. I've seen them. I watched the process and it's applied in multiple steps. But the thing is, is like they squeegee it on instead of like rolling it on, but they do use a roller at one point to blend it all in. So it's, a, it's, it's, I don't know if it's that new on the market, but it's, I know it's fairly new, but there's a lot of cool, I mean, there's like metal metallic colors. They've done, they, they can do a lot of things. And There's I, like maroons and browns and yeah. Oh yeah, any golds. color you want to do, you just mix it together. So he had a bucket and he'd have to put two ounces of this and that, and then we'd add color. He would put the base down and then he would trickle in other colors, you know, and so you can make it marble. And that's what it's really that's, It looks like yeah. it's marbleized. It's like yeah. marble. So you guys got to check out the website. What is your website? It's redriderresort.com redriderresort.com look at the pictures of these places and check out the flooring um so this flooring going back yeah. to that it's super cool um and one thing you had talked about is you got to know the guy that was doing this right mm -hmm. 
Well, he was the concrete. Uh, he did all the mason work on the campground, and he's just starting out doing this new process with the floors. And so the one process, it, what he said is he said he would help me with the floors, and he would give me a good discount, um, a great discount, like free, if I bought the materials for him to practice. And so he um, basically started on the first one, and we did it, and seen if we liked it. At the end of uh, the first floor, we said, okay, let's change this. And we just did a process. So if you walk through each cabin, you're going to see the first cabin. It's not perfect. And there's spots around the edge that he didn't get to that we said, oh, that you know, you're going to correct that. And so I, by the fifth cabin, and you've seen that fifth cabin floor, I mean, it really was nice. I mean, he got it mixed in, blended the one we just drizzled in, and it just looked like lines. And we said, well, that ain't going to work. So <laughs> it's just kind of a lesson just trying it and I was I, I'm the type too I'm like you know what if it didn't work I don't care it, I'm not gonna say oh my god you ruined the floor I can cover it I can paint it I can do whatever it was better process than what I was gonna do I was even gonna paint it gray right <laughs> with a roller <laughs> well and you mentioned there's some imperfections in it you know what who cares it's a campground yeah. and it's a tent right it's a hard walled yeah. tent yeah. with a really kick-ass marble floor um but no it's really cool so and you know him deciding that he's going to let you i guess have his services for free yeah so he's gonna you're gonna buy the materials mm -hmm. so all he's putting into this not like it's nothing but he's putting his time into this yeah. and learning how to use this product so you save a bunch of money he gets free you know five free lessons in applying this floor stuff exactly i imagine he wants you helping him out telling people who did it yep. so who did it creative finish creative um, finish yep, is the name of the company and he's, uh, he, and I, I did let him put logos in the floor too. So he did it. For oh, me. I didn't so, even notice. Them. Yeah. There's logos in the floor, uh, in the corners of who did the flooring. So, but otherwise it is, uh, he does a great job and he's a great masonry period too. I mean, he did it. I mean, every slab and, and it, the one thing is with him, like anybody that does a building, they always have a problem with people showing up for some reason. Yeah. Like through the process. And I'm telling you that when I call him and say, okay, we're ready for something the next day, he'd make it there. And he was, he'd get it done. So that's cool. So that says a lot. So if you guys know the guys over at Creative Masonry, right? Creative Finishing. You said? Creative Finishing. Um, look him up. Tell him you heard about him here. I think it's mainly Facebook is all he has for uh, like a way to look up. It doesn't, I don't think he has a website yet. So you have a very good Facebook presence. That's where I've seen know. your stuff. Um, I want to talk about that too, because in my own business, that's something I've been trying to figure out is how to be better at social media. And you guys seem to have it figured out on Facebook. So is there a big secret? Who's doing all of the work? I guess the work on, on Facebook, I think I'm just like anybody else. I am. I still am learning every day. I still don't have a clue. All this stuff is just overwhelming. Instagram, everything. It's like, one thing is, is how much work do you put into that? It takes up so much of your time. And where do you not? So the one thing I guess I've done on the, the Red Rider Resort Facebook page is just put, try to post once a day. Try to put something in there about the prod, you know, the cabin, the outdoors, fish. We've been catching a lot of trout. I've been putting a trout one on there. That was real popular. I did one video of, you know, where we cut a spear hole and you can see 25 feet down and I have a trout swimming around the hole and you can watch it. It's really cool. I haven't seen that video. Yeah, you have to look it up because it's, it's amazing. This this 24-inch trout swims by our lure and it's amazing how he swims by and he doesn't, he kind of looks at it and he just swims right by it and you think you just bite it, but he doesn't. So anyways, my secretary on is very, she's very active into it and that's really, she's been helping me a lot with that. But like I was saying about on the Facebook thing, the likes, it's just amazing. And I don't understand all of it. My kids are a big part of helping me understand some of this stuff. On, oh, you know, put their name, hashtagging this, you know, and all this. Yeah. I, I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know what happened with that. But now I'm learning hashtags. It goes into an album or whatever. People look up hashtag Cayuna, you know, I'll send sure. all my stuff's on there. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. But where does, where... Where does that time end of just sitting there doing all this to your return? I don't know. Well, it's, I mean, looking at the page, you're spending the time on it. And for people that are 
looking you up on Facebook yeah. right now. What uh, what's the Facebook page? Is it just Red Rider Resort? Yep, just Red Rider Resort. Okay. So Red Rider Resort on Facebook, redriderresort.com. You talk about hashtag Cayuna. The big draw to that area, and this is what's really cool, is your location. So with real estate is location, 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 right? Yeah. Well, you hit the gold mine with yeah. location on this place because what I mean, I already know it, so you can answer it, but what borders, as when you go around the lake, both ends of your property border The what? Cayuna Rec area. Is that what it's actually called, yeah, the Cayuna Rec area? Cayuna Recreational Area, and it's a state, basically a state park, but it ain't, you ain't required to have a permit like state parks do require now. You know where you want to go and camp in a state park. That the state, They're going to eventually charge, but at this point, there's just you just go and use the land and the, and the bike trails. Yeah, so when he talks about the bike trails, this is, from what I understand, one of the top mountain biking areas or, mm -hmm. yeah, it'd be yeah. mountain biking, off-road bicycle area in the Midwest, right? Yeah, it's actually known worldwide. I mean, it's in, in the world because we're EMBA approved, International Mountain Biking Association approved trail. So it really expands that out to, I mean, there's been people from all over, like at the rate, they hold three races a year at that that area and they have multiple people from out of the country that have came to race that's so cool so that's a big draw so you got yeah. some hashtag ammo there you yeah. can tag in all that stuff um more social media stuff that if you're looking to start or get into business learn that because that is a huge positive and it's free yeah other than your time I mean, your time's you. worth money yeah but exactly and I have to tell you about some of the, the struggles of them, just the mountain bike trails in the rec area that they've run into here just recently. So Oh, yeah. so yeah, well, let's talk about that. Okay. So in this Cayuna rec area, there's like 4,000 acres of property with 28 miles of mountain bike trail currently. We just got a grant from the state of Minnesota for a little over $4 million for an expansion. The expansion will go 50 miles more trail. Wow. So what the whole goal was when they had bike trail, and I had nothing to do with this, so I don't want to take any credit, but there's a great group over there. And, and actually, it's uh, the Cuyuna Lakes Mountain Bike Association. They, if you ever do want to donate money, they all volunteer. And they, it, they maintain every trail there. Yeah, the DNR I've, does not do that. Really? No, the DN, it's on the DNR land. The DNR does groom part of the trail in the winter, but we have guys out there, they volunteer their time to groom the trails in the winter for fat tire biking it's all volunteer wow so, that's amazing because yeah. they do such a good job up there yeah and and we're actually have the largest amount of trail right now groomed for a fat tire bike in the state of minnesota wow i didn't even know there was such a thing yep let alone now now we're record 20, holders right out of the ed edge of the red rider resort yeah. <laughs> 20, 20 miles of groomed trail right now you can go ride a mountain bike on in the winter and that's, that's crazy. crazy. I, I I just went for the first time actually, and I thought it was like like a four inches of snow. This is like right now. There's like a sixteen inch base they have packed, and we rode, and it's just like summertime. It was fun. It was awesome. Really? We could go up the hills, and you know the bikes obviously have studded tires. We had we rented bikes, and we had studded tires, but otherwise you go right up the hills and everything uh, in the snow. It was, wow, it was awesome. So, anyways, uh, one thing is so they. Um, they're expanding this trail for 50 more miles. It's all heading up to the northeast or northwest from me and straight north up into Cuyuna because there's a pump track up there that they built. And you know what a pump track is? I've, you know, I've seen it from the road. Yeah. I've never been okay. on it. So basically a pump track is like a BMX track, I would say, but it's a trail of something you're supposed to be able to ride and never pedal. So okay. you use the down of all the hills and stuff to get yourself around the whole track. So actually uh, they're gonna build a trail from Yaki where the campground is as on manual. They're gonna build a trail all the way up to that so people can ride there and use it and come back. But they've run into a stumbling block if you can imagine with the DNR owning the, or the state of Minnesota owns the property. But now the state of Minnesota is gonna require an archeological study to see if they can build a trail because if they, they came up with a new rule that somebody came up with for some reason, <laughs> that if you build over 10 miles of trail, then you need this done. So again, if it's nine miles, it's okay if you're digging up bones or, I mean, I don't know. Aren't they using old mine pits yes. anyways? Yeah. So none of this is ground. natural to it's begin with? not natural at all. They're going That's... over the top of overburdened dirt. <laughs> 
Common sense at work. Again, <laughs> it, it don't make sense. So they're struggling. And here's the, here's the funny part. So the state of Minnesota grants us two, a little over four million bucks to build the trails. If you don't have them built within like three years, you lose the money. So one year it goes into planning the building. Now all of a sudden we have to do an archaeological study, which could take six months. Now all of a sudden they're getting nervous. Are we going to run out of time to get the trails built before the money just disappears? Oh, and then you've already lost the investment that you got into it. Oh, yeah. Then all that's oh, that's gone. terrible. So, like I said, it, it doesn't make sense that the state grants you money and then they're going to put a time frame on it and then they put stumbling or put blocks in front of you to say, hey, you yeah. got to do all this. So the way to overcome this, people get involved. Yeah. They're going to be on a limited time. If you're a mountain biker and you enjoy this area, get up there and help these guys make trails as soon as they get yeah. the green flag. Yeah. Right. So getting back to Red Rider Resort. Because we'll wrap this up, we're getting you know we're getting close to an hour, I think. Um, this is, I mean, like I said, outside of both ends of your property, but you're gonna have access to the trail out the east yep. side, right? East side, there'll be a trail that go. You can just ride. You don't have to go out on the road. You'll be able to ride right up uh, on the trail into the parking lot of Manual Mine Pit, which you just hop on the trail from there. So you're on the lake. Yep. So, uh, granted, it's a little bit steep because it's an old mine. But um, on the lake, you said there is no motorized equipment, correct? So you can kayak, you can canoe, horseshoe, or not horseshoe. You can play horseshoes yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> you set it up. You can snowshoe, right? Snowshoe is, yeah, they want you to snowshoe actually through there because you can actually go on the mountain bike trails because it packs the trail. It helps the groomers. Oh, so actually sure. when they, we get fresh snow, they want people to come and snowshoe on the trail and then it helps the groomer. Because the groomer is kind of funny. It's like a little, just a track of a snowmobile. And then it pulls the guy behind on like skis. Okay. So that's like a groomer that they use. It's, it's just, and so this by snowshoeing, they really want people. And so there's a group of people that go out there and actually snowshoe on fresh snow to get all packed. Oh, that's, that's really cool. Yep. Um, you, you said paddleboard too, yep. right? Paddleboard. You, you started know, to say that. Yeah. I cut you yeah. off. So you'd be able to paddleboard. Kayak, canoe, snowshoe, yeah. mountain bike. Is there a road bike up there too? Is no, there a, there's a, tar, is there a trail? Uh, uh, paved trail. Actually, there. So that's a new thing now that we're just started. We got like a million dollars from the state, and it's been a, about a six-year process to get the tar. the The paved trail goes currently from Riverton, which is on the way to Brainerd. about five miles from Crosby to there. So you, okay. there's actually a tar trail roller blading you know people use it for walking their dogs whatever now they're expanding it from deerwood to crosby along highway six okay so like right when you came north they're going to cut across there and it hits the highway and goes all the way to deerwood and uh eventually you know that's going to intersect to the paul bunyan trail i mean they're in the works brainerd is working on getting it out past the airport and then they're working on coming this way so we'll be connected if the if that happens we'll have a tar, uh, paved trail from Crosby to on the Paul Bunyan. That's just so cool. So yeah. all of these outdoor activities you can take advantage of staying at your place. Absolutely. I mean, and, and snowmobiling too. We're, next year we'll have a, a they're going to groom the trail down to the resort. Really? Yep. The, the, the trails up 31 is about a mile up the road further from us. And they're going to actually, we've talked to the snowmobile club and they're going to groom down to us. So you have a groomed trail for snowmobiling uh, right from the There's resort. a group we need to mention because yeah. those guys are the easiest to get along with. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're like, yeah, let's yeah. do it. They, I mean, they have yep. to get some landowner permissions yep. and they do all that stuff behind the scenes. Who's the snowmobile club up there? Uh, snow serpents. The snow serpents. Yep. So snow say serpents. that 10 times. Fast. Thank you to yeah. the snow serpents for uh, all that you guys do and all the snowmobile clubs actually, because that's a big process yeah. in itself. And, and they do, they do a really good job. Donated time there too. Everybody. Yeah. I guess unreal. So very cool. So these cabins, eight cabins three of them are on stilts right yeah. what if i want to come and stay at the red rider resort now you're going to be open year round year round yeah so you literally can do all these things snowmobile snowshoe yep. mountain bike you fat come tire every bike. weekend and do something so how expensive is it to come and spend a night up there let's just say i want a hard tent Want to hire the cheap practice? <laughs> just it's the, on, it's seventy-nine bucks during the week, and uh, and it's one thirty-nine on the weekend. For see that scene to me, that's just way too cheap. Yeah, 
Because you've incurred all these expenses that nobody's even seen yet. But it's over time. It's, it's like anything. It's an investment, right? It's an investment you hope you get back eventually. But I want to make it affordable so any family, and that's why I did multiple ranges too. Like we we're talking, the, the one, if you want a bathroom, you're going to pay more. Obviously, there's more expense. Yeah. The, if you want to experience the stilts, you're going to pay more. You got a screen porch under them. Um, you got a little extra there. But it's set up really so anybody can afford to come there and and have a good time. Well, it's a beautiful place, and all I can say is, looking forward, your rates are going to go up because it's gonna you're gonna be overflowing. Um, I, I'm just amazed, and I we didn't even get to this, but in the mountain bikes, you guys got to check out the pictures online. You got mountain bikes. You have hangers for these guys yep. to hang their bikes on the wall. Oh yeah, my big thing is on Facebook that I put on there. We allow you to sleep with your bikes <laughs> <laughs> at Lead Rider Resort. <laughs> Yes, they do. You can have your mountain bike sitting right in the room with you hanging on the wall. So, And that's a big thing. I mean, these mountain bikes, people don't realize, I mean, they're upwards of $8,000. So the thing is, with the cost of these bikes, we wanted to make sure that people felt comfortable. Uh, you don't want to pull up and leave them sitting on the back of your car in the middle of the night. But it's amazing the cost of those bikes, and people don't blink an eye to purchase one. with a. But they're, I mean, they make a difference. Like we are saying with a dirt bike. Lots of moving parts, and you sit there and think how much could them cost, and you thought, God, that's high. Right. It's there's it's just amazing. Just think of how much technology after you do your business or mine that you think of all this moving parts and engineering them, making them every single piece. Yeah. And and the cost of that, and then you wonder why the bike is you know a seven thousand dollar dirt bike. Well, right. It's yeah, and a mountain bike, they're, I mean, they're carbon fiber, they right. got full suspension. Yep. So yeah, if you're a mountain bike guy, you know that story. We don't need to tell you about yeah. that. But that's the coolest part up here is, you know, getting out there to see the resort. You got to, I got to see how you've literally thought of everything. What looks like a chandelier to me um, <laughs> is nothing more than an octopus looking thing that the arms drop down. And I'm assuming each of those clamps will yep. hold gloves, shorts, yep. helmets. So socks. all this stuff can dry, socks, so your stuff can dry. So even that was thought of. Yeah. Um, so you're obviously an enthusiast. Yeah. Would that be, yeah, that'd be enthusiast. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think of that as a motorcycle enthusiast because that's the mm -hmm. world I live in. But yeah, you could be an enthusiast of anything. So you're obviously an enthusiast. You've probably been using one of these cabins just as, you know, a test period to make sure they work as you should. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm super excited for you. I think it's really cool. I think... Like I said, I think there's a rate hike in the future. Yeah. Um, I'm going to kind of put you to the spot here because yeah. I think there should be a rate hike because you're way too cheap. <laughs> but um, how far in advance can people book these things? Uh, we have, a, I guess that's a good question. Everything's online now, Everything's right? online. So when you're booking, you go to the website, you're going to be able to pick your cabin. You just have a calendar. You can extend it right out. So I'm assuming it goes, I never tried over a year. So. <laughs> but I... I'm hoping that it are booked out for a couple of years in advance. Yeah. So if I come out there and all of a sudden I have this place reserved because I booked it a year ago and it's $79 and now I want to stay next year, but the rate went up. Can you honor my 79? Uh, well, no, probably not. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, just trying to put you on the spot. Like okay. I said, I think you need to, uh, I think you're going to find very quickly that you are so affordable for the amount of detail and work that's mm -hmm. gone into the place. You're going to do very well. We didn't even talk about tent spaces yeah you have real tent spaces yep. you have an rv area mm -hmm. seems like i'm missing something no just tents well no the one unique one is we got the little hiking tent where if you guys want to like go out and and it's almost like you're in the boundary waters but you're not you're right in town almost but yeah like literally that we didn't get to walk up there today because the snow was only about four feet deep <laughs> right. but but if if, if you walked up to that tent site, you'd be amazed that, you know, it's hiking only or you bike part way and then you're going to go up a hill and it's not easy to get to. So like I said, don't come and then start complaining because you had to walk up a hill to get into a tent right. or carry your stuff. That's the whole purpose of it is to get away from people and be by yourself. There's no other tent site near it. There's nobody near it. So it's one tent site one up tent at the up top, top of that, of hill. what looks like a mountain because it's yeah, way up there. It's up there. And I can only imagine the view up there is beautiful. Is it one? It's got to be one of the highest points out there. Yeah. The, all those hills are pretty much the same height, except, I mean, I think the one behind us, somebody said the one behind our property is actually the highest hill in the wreck area. 
Okay. But they would pile that dirt up high. Yeah. You know, they, well, they the nice thing about the nice thing about that hill being behind you is it doesn't block your view of the lake, so no. you can look over the park yeah. from that campsite. That thing is really cool. I'm not a tent camper, but I might want to come up there and stay at that one. So, a couple of lessons that we had talked about, or some of the things that, um, you know, that I I heard you say throughout this podcast was back in the real estate side of your deal when you decided to get rid of the the big name mm -hmm. is people don't deal with a name like the brand. They deal with you as a person, yeah. right? So that's a huge lesson that people need to take out of this. The other thing, um, it's okay to use buddies and friends and people, it's not use them, but ask them for help. Yeah. And that's what saved you probably a bunch of money on getting that flooring done. But look at the flip side of it is he also learned a new skill that now he didn't have to pay for. And if he screws it up, he knows that he's not going to have to pay for the screw up yeah. because that was part of the deal. So those things are okay to do. And I would encourage them for anybody starting out a new business because those are the deals that everybody wins on. So you got this guy starting up his company, you're starting up your company, you're both starting, you know, you're both yeah. trading out your experience money for uh a product that actually turned out looking good and normally it will because when they're learning these things they want to do it the best they can yeah and like you said it got better with each cabin mm -hmm. so super cool stuff um you know on through the realty you got the red rider resort you're you're doing well i'm very happy for you um one comment you made earlier was you didn't come from a lot mm -hmm. so do you care to talk a little bit about you know maybe share some experience on how you got from that 13 year old kid you know, to summarize in just a few minutes, how that 13-year-old kid became a successful realtor that owns his own realty company and now is opening up a resort on a lake in the yeah. beautiful 218 area code. Um, I would say work. <laughs> Showing up. <laughs> Show up to work. I think the big thing is, is I, I never, like I said, I never went to college. And I just am logical in my head and I think about learning why or what. So I always use every experience as a learning lesson. And and I would say it's like um, my parents didn't pay their bills very good. So what did I learn from that? I'm going to make sure that I have the best credit I can. Because the thing I learned, if I pay my bills, have good credit, I can have anything. I don't care. It's like you can. And then when I started in the real estate business is because of my broken collarbone. I was laying on the couch, what do I do? I bought a rental house, I had zero dollars. But I watched a program that said you can do it and I thought I started thinking about it and then I figured it out, how can I do it? I did it with a credit card. And I sure. bought a first, that my down payment off a credit card for my first rental property. It's like, again, anybody, but how many times do people not wanna try because they're afraid? And I just said, you know what, what am I own? I had nothing before, Right. I'll have nothing tomorrow. You know, it's like, it's, it's okay if I fail on it because again, but I think the big thing is, is that my biggest thing is learn from people. You know, if your parents didn't do something that, that didn't work, learn from it. Why didn't it work? Right. It didn't work because you weren't responsible or you quit blaming somebody else for your problems. There's the big one right yeah. there. Don't be blaming everybody else yeah. for why, the shit why? you screwed up. Exactly. And my, my plenty of renters out there, oh my, you know, the dog ate the mail and I didn't pay the bill on time. That's why they shut my cell phone off. No, it's because you didn't make your bill payment. So just do it. Yeah. So I guess that's the biggest thing is just coming from that is anybody can do it. And I always say, well, it's not, I always don't say I'm successful. I always just say, I'm just doing what I'm doing. And people say, oh, you're successful. I don't know if I'm successful yet. I won't know that. Maybe at the end I'll go, what a waste of my time that was. Maybe not. I don't know. You don't know if you don't try. <clears throat> At the end, when I go to retire, i just looking forward to retirement someday, and I go, ah, you know what? I'm hoping I can retire, and if I don't, I'll say, well, that sucked. But <laughs> or, or I had a lot of fun getting <laughs> there. Yeah, getting there. And, and that's a big key is if you, if you enjoy something, it's not work. And if you're out there and you're doing something and you're miserable, change your life. Change it. It seems it's so cliche to hear people say, if you enjoy what you're doing, it's not work, but it is so true. It is. I think the people that it's, rag on that statement just are doing shit they hate and you know, they're miserable for Or the big question is, or the big saying is, is, oh, you need money to make money. No, you don't. 
You don't need it helps. You need to don't work. Don't get me wrong. It it helps, but you can get there. It just might take you longer. You don't need the money to make money. You just need to put your efforts towards something to start making something. So there you go. There are your words of advice from Vern Lewis. So learn from other people. Yep. And you don't have to start with a pile of money. Just pay attention to business, work hard, mm -hmm. pay your bills, and you can do whatever you want. Starting from the couch with nothing. Yep. With a, with a broken bone. <laughs> so, Vern, I just want to thank you for coming in. And, uh, you know, just one thing, you're believing in this work in 2 and 8 podcast. I think, you know, I'm hoping it's going to do things. I appreciate you coming in to share your stories. Um, hopefully you had a good time. Hopefully this was I fun. Did. It was actually better than I, I, I was more nervous in the beginning. So, yep. <laughs> so, thanks for the invite, too. Absolutely. Thank you. For those of you guys listening... Um, Vern, let's go through your website, Facebook page. Are you on Instagram? I am, but I might not know that. Okay. At, at Red, Red Rider, Rider Resort. Resort. Yeah. So at Red Rider Resort on Instagram. You're the Red Rider Resort on Facebook, and it's redriderresort.com yeah. is your website. So do you have an email address? Would you care if anybody listening wants to reach out to you and maybe say, hey, I got a question. I'm no. thinking of getting into real estate. What? Any, yeah. Anything. I'm always open for... To help anybody. And what? Uh, how do, How would you like someone to get a hold of you? Uh, it would be kvlewis at crosbyironton.net. kvlewis at crosbyironton.net. Yep. So that's your email address. If you guys have questions for Vern, you want to reach out to him, or even just let him know that you heard him on the podcast, that would be great. Again, I am Craig Johnson. This is the Working 218 podcast just trying to connect entrepreneurs so we can all share our stories and maybe learn a little something from one another. You can follow us on Facebook at Workin218 or on Instagram at Workin218 on Instagram as well. Send me an email. Let me know what you're thinking. Workin218 at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing you and hearing from you. And again, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again soon.